0: Welcome to a financial planning podcast with a down-to-earth vibe. Sasquatch listens to us while laying out at the pool. This is Through the Pines. On this episode, we break down building a base. So managing your money, learning good habits in your late teens, early 20s. Our financial wizards back again for this episode. We have Brandon Smith and Rex Baxter. Planwithbaxter.com. So uh, if you would like to get in touch with these very good looking obviously financial planners go to plan with baxter.com we'll leave a link in all the things so that was correct did you learn that from your kids i did <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
1: and mean, we're talking about teens right yeah, so we're I've talking gotta...
0: about teens yeah yeah all right so speaking of the teens um let's go you know we're we're in high school or you know you got your first job and you're making a little money and you got to figure out what to do with that you know rex i think you got the most experience here um and we all have kids but you've got more than all of us combined uh so what are you how do you go about teaching your kids how to manage money when they when they first start making it when they get their first job they bring home a first paycheck they see that the government takes some of it and they're like what is this dad not fair they don't understand taxes they don't understand insurance and they don't understand investing yet because you're not their dad yet um, so, you know, what, what What do you tell kids on, on where to start and how soon should they start?
1: So, so I do have a lot of kids, seven kids.
2: Who's um, <laughs> perfected yes. the craft of teaching kids about money. I this love it. I did. love
0: it. Yeah. So you're the guy. I don't know
2: about that, but I, I do know
1: um, that I sit down and have a discussion with my kids when they get their first job and their first paycheck and and we go through their paycheck, the very first one they get. And, and they're like, who the crap is FICA and why are they taking my money? You know, <laughs> and
0: uh, yeah, who is FICA? And
1: so, <laughs> so, so we have to kind of go through that and, and explain, you know, how federal taxes work and state taxes and Medicare and Social Security. And, and you know, if they have any benefits, then, then we kind of walk through that, too. And and then we have discussion about you know saving early, saving for retirement and the compounding of money and, and saving, you know, for, for other things that they may want, whether it be a car, whether it be whatever the case may be. And so for
0: wait, for wait, my one kids, second, one second, just one second, because that is the the key point. Uh the say when you're talking to them to them about savings, everybody wants it now. And so and I and I knew uh when I was young, look, if I put this much money away, it's going to make me a bazillionaire before I'm 45 because I'm 18 years old. Nobody has the willpower. So how do you get that far? And how do you get past that? Because they need cars, they need fashion, they need clothes. You know what I mean? Like, how does that fit in?
1: Yeah. So, so it's, that's challenging, right? Because they, they do. And, and and this is, this is multi-generational, right? I mean, Everybody wants it now. And, and it's funny because you'll hear your your parents or your grandparents say, oh, when I was a kid, we did it this way. Well, yeah, you did it. You did it a certain way and it might have been less money, but you still wanted that little gumball, that little penny candy, mm-hmm. you know, at the right then, right that day, you know. <laughs> so, you know, that the mindset <laughs> hasn't changed. <laughs> and so.
0: Rex really is old. I just saw you. <laughs> <laughs> i
1: an old soul. Yeah. <laughs> So so I think it's important to to kind of break that down and and so typically we say look when you're you know when you're in your teens we want you saving you know we always have 10% going towards a retirement account at least you know end of date. that's what's going in does that if, include
0: pre tax post is that that includes like 401k contributions
1: yeah so if they have so it doesn't include the companies i want them to save 10% of their own money so if they if they're at a company that has a 401k that has a match and the match is 3% or whatever the case may be, you know, my kids still do 10%. And they get used to that right out of the gate. If they don't have a 401k, which most companies don't for 18-year-olds, oh. then we have them start a retirement account, either an IRA or Roth IRA, and 10% of their money goes into that account. and And that's the way it is. Well, and do you, so
0: do you start Ross or do you start regular IRAs for? So
1: IRAs? I start Ross with, okay. with my kids at that age is, is typically what I start, um, because it's, you know, they, they're in a low tax bracket, typically at age 18. Um, you know, normally we don't need the tax deductions at age 18. And so, you know, we almost always start with the Roth IRA for, for those kids. So when
0: and, they, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping, I'm cutting you off. It's okay. Um, because I'm dealing with, with this at home. So as they see that money add up, they think of all the things they can do with that money, like buy a car or buy a house. And some of them like buy a house, buy real estate sound. Okay. You know, so, so that 10% is strictly for retirement. They're not to touch that. Is that what you're
1: saying? Yeah. Yeah. So my kids are not to touch that until they retire. And, and so I'll, you know, I'll let them know that they're, and, and I, I leave it a little bit nebulous. So I go ahead and judge me if you want. Right. But, um, I don't go into details about how the, how the money could be used for education or how the money could be used for a first time home purchase or the other features that Roth has, because I specifically want that bucket of money to go towards retirement. Okay. And, and I want that habit ingrained from paycheck one. Okay. So, I
0: so I, I don't know if you got the numbers in front of you, but um, if someone's making you know a minimum wage, whatever. I mean, it's, it's not minimum is not minimum because everyone pays over it right now. But ten bucks an hour or whatever, the first job, and they start investing from eighteen to 25, 10 percent of their money. Um, you know, they're going to have how much by when? Usually, typically, if they if it's ten percent, a, a lot by later, a lot by later, a lot by later. Yeah, versus <laughs> if you wait until you're thirty five or forty. And then you have to save, I think if you wait till you're 40 or 45, I think it's usually what three times as much per month that you need to save to try to catch up.
1: At least it's significant man. Brandon, uh, looks like you might be crunching some numbers for us. Yeah.
2: yeah, just some real general numbers, right? If they're making $15 an hour, 20 hours a week, um, you know, annually, that's going to turn into $15,600, right? So if if they've got recs, that's, you know, forcing them to save 10% of their income. Strongly encouraging. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, divide, well I'll divide that by 12. That's, that's $1,300 a month of income. If they're saving 10% of that, right? So times 0.1, that's going to be $130 per month. If we grow that, let's just grow, you know, they're fairly aggressive. Let, let's grow it. I'll just say an 8% to be conservative on that number an 8% rate of return. And then we do that over how many years? How many years should we grow that? 28, 48, 48, 58. So call it 45. Let's call it 45 years. 45 years. That turns into $685,000 at, you know, at the end of that 45 year period. And that that it,
0: assumes they're not putting in any more than $130 a month. 130
2: bucks a month. The whole, right? right, I mean, that, like that makes a material difference. If we change that to ten percent rate of return, that jumps it to one point three million dollars yeah. Yeah. by the time they're sixty-five. And so, I, I mean, I think the numbers speak for themselves, right? In that, and and obviously, the odds of starting someone at ten percent doing one hundred and thirty and them not increasing that are, are fairly shy, right? The real benefit of this is the emotional, behavioral you know, habits that you get into, because it kind of gets gets exciting as you see it grow. But even if that's all they did, right, it's 130 bucks a month, it sets them up for a a really decent, you know, chunk of money at retirement.
0: Yeah. So Rex, your base building for kids, uh, late teens uh, into early 20s is is saving 10%. Is there anything else that you... So so that's
1: for the retirement, Uh right? And then we've got the emergency fund. And so so typically I have them save at least and 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 this is just me and this is a little aggressive. Right. But typically I have them save about 20 percent out of each paycheck until we get the emergency fund built. OK, but and they
0: don't and they don't have emerge They have mom and dad. That's their emergency fund. Uh, Rex
1: is
2: the emergency fund.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like the bumper sticker sticker says, is I, I am not your retirement plan. I am also not your emergency fund. Yeah. Right. Let's yeah, just make yeah. this clear. Uh,
0: but, if, but in if, seriousness if though, it, typically emergency funds are based on your spending where they hardly have any. So how do you determine that number?
1: They, they do hardly have any. And so, and so that's tough. And so for, for me, I go through and I, and I look at, you know, what, do they have any bills? Do they have to pay their own phone bill? Do they have gas? How much are they spending a month in gas? How much are they spending a month in food, fast food, eating out? How much do they spend a month in hanging out with friends or dates or dances or whatever it is that, that those kids are doing right. And, and even though that's not necessarily traditionally kind of mandatory spending, because a lot of that's just kind of discretionary, that's what I'm using to teach that lesson. Right out of the gate, as I'm saying, this is how much you are spending on average month. Is you're on on average you're spending three hundred or four hundred dollars a month, whatever that is, right? And therefore, I want three times that, three to six times that in this emergency fund first. Yeah. Once that's done, then we can start saving for houses and cars and everything else.
0: What vehicle and, do you put the emergency fund in?
1: So. For for my kids, we've just used a, a high yield savings account, and and so you know we wanted it liquid like we do on all emergency funds. Um, I wanted it just a little bit out of sight, out of mind, so that it wasn't so easy to move into their checking account and to spend mm-hmm. on on something that they just wanted. Yeah. And so for my kids, I I tried to use a different institution. Than what they're using for their normal checking and savings.
0: No, they that's what makes me so mad about banks, is it's so easy to just transfer stuff.
2: It is. Just spend,
0: just, oh, I can just spend all this money. Yeah. Come on, yeah.
2: give me more hassle. <laughs> Make <this> more complex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more complex.
0: Okay. Right. So then you have the emergency fund built up, and then they can uh, like you said, they can think about other things like houses. Yeah.
1: And then then we can them. reallocate that 20% towards house, car whatever you know my my kids have been you know they a lot of them really want to get into a house right and houses are really expensive and and so we'll talk about that but you know we we really try and get them to save up so that we have a good down payment for a house when they when their income is high enough for them to to qualify for a loan
0: so from a financial planning uh perspective a good down payment for a house would be what five ten 20.
1: So, so optimal, 20, 20 would be phenomenal, right? That yeah. they're, the, but yeah, most need like a hundred thousand these days, right? And, and so, that most people are not in that camp. And so, our our goal is to try and get them into a house without having to pay PMI or permanent, yeah. permanent mortgage. Is yeah, permanent so that, mortgage that's insurance?
0: 20. Yeah, uh, but uh, private no. primary mortgage, primary.
1: Primary. primary. There we go, primary mortgage insurance. So, So normally it's 20%, but sometimes you'll get financial institutions that will do a first and a second. So the first is Hmm. 80%. So you don't have the PMI and then they do a second that will be another 15% kind of thing. And so, you know, different institutions structure that different ways to try and help you out with a little bit smaller down payment. But, you know, if they want to get into a house, we want them to get into a house that they can afford. And and that comes into, you know, uh, questions that, that we'll probably cover here in just a little bit about, you know, buying real estate as you get into your 20s and, and 30s and things like that. But, but it's good for them to know that that's what they're shooting for. And, 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 and it's also good that you build those habits early. You know, I just had one son come to me and say, hey, dad, I just got a raise. And, and it wasn't a very big raise, right? It's a really small raise. So literally, we moved his his monthly saving from like one thirty a month to like one thirty five. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, does this five dollars really make a difference? And it's like, you know, the five dollars isn't what makes the difference. It's the habit that makes right. the difference. Right. And if you say no to to that today, then it makes it ten times easier to say no to it when it really does matter. Yeah. And so you just say yes and, and you just do it. and okay. And so far it's worked. All right. Yeah. So, very good.
0: Well, okay. So one, go ahead, one piece of,
2: what, just wanted to throw one thing in there. I, th- I think Rex is right. If, if you can, it would be optimal to have 20% down on a house, but I think it's important to realize that just because it's optimal doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best situation. In fact, I've had a few different couples, right. Come to me once said, Hey, Brandon, I'm not buying a house and I'm never going to have a mortgage. I'm going to save up and buy my house with cash because I don't want to have a mortgage I had someone else just bound and determined I am going to put 20% down I don't want to pay mortgage insurance and and you know that's what we do is we we put 20% down my family or something I can't remember the story either way though they both had these lofty goals set and and I remember going through that with them and saying that's fine right I mean if that's if that's a goal you want to do um then great as long as you can acknowledge that more likely than not that's going to be a major financial hindrance to you Right, it's it's not the correct decision as far as building wealth or or getting you know building up assets. Right, that, that might feel good um, depending on your personal moral compass, but at the end of the day, if you know if you're sitting there still saving up money while you know you're trying to build up this 20% down or this 100% down, and and houses are appreciating faster than you can save that 20% or 100%, you're going backwards. You, you know, and you'd be better off to arguably assume a little bit more risk and take on a little bit more mortgage in order to get into that house. And so I think that's a, a, an important piece of clarification that even though optimal is 20 percent, um, sometimes the better choice is, is to do 5 percent, you know, and, and get into a house.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Assuming well, you
2: can afford it, of course, but we'll talk about that later, I think.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, OK, so we all three of us went to college and i did some
1: some were slightly better colleges than other no i'm just kidding
2: <laughs> no there's nothing wrong with weaver state rex <laughs> <laughs> we can all I go love to utah. Weber state don't go there <laughs> weaver state is
0: great 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 uh i can <laughs> vouch for great. It. so um, no rex
2: always gives me so much grief for going to utah state and so sometimes Oh, I, got yeah. you yeah yeah That's uh, okay maybe- we love our
1: aggies
0: what um so i I actually went I went early college at my senior year in high school and then and then I laughed because I was making uh I could say it now I was making like $50,000 a year at age 25 as a retail executive and I couldn't make that. I didn't even know what I wanted to study at the time. So I so I went into college but then I would drop out and and just try to make money in in my job at the time. Um and then I went back later and so I graduated now I think it's been uh, 10, 10 years now, since I graduated, graduated the second time, went back. Um, you know, I, I did the student loans the second time and I still have some, so that's pretty awesome. Paying some of that off. So where is college as a, you know, there's just some jobs you can't do without going to college, but, but is it still like the thing you absolutely have to do? And if so, how does, how do you pay for it these days?
1: I don't, I don't, I'm not in the camp that believes college is for everybody. And, and I may catch some heat for that from different people, but I, I believe that the college is right for some people. I think trade schools are great for some people. I think community colleges are good for some people. And I think taking an entrepreneurial route are right for some people and, and, and not doing college is okay too, for some people. And so I, I'm not in that camp. I, I think that too often we put a stigma on people having to go to college when they don't know what they want to go into um, and, and use the phrase, Oh, you'll figure it out as you take your generals and as you take your classes. And sometimes kids don't um, figure that out during that time period. And so then they're just paying money to take classes while they're still trying to figure out, you know, what their future is and what they, and what they want to do. That being said, I think college degrees, um, do give you a leg up in a lot of career fields yeah and and i think that it can be a good fallback later on in your life if you find yourself in a position where you've been laid off or separated from service and and you need to go back into a job or a career and and i think that sometimes that can be a good a good boost you know to have that underneath your belt so
0: okay so then how do you pay for it
1: so I think work hard, no. Um, <laughs>
0: what kind of work? <laughs>
1: so, so that's that's not available to everybody, right? And some colleges are more expensive than others. And so sometimes I think you need to take out student loans. I think the trick is not taking out so much in student loans that it takes a, an enormous amount of time to pay them back. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that between being selective on what colleges you go to For certain parts of your college career, because lots of times you can do your your associates or your generals at at a less expensive college, such as a community college or or even some state schools like Weber State and and Utah State and University of Utah are all fairly inexpensive for in-state students. They're they're about today, they're give or take about $7,000 a year for tuition for in-state tuition. And and so you try and do everything you can to minimize your costs first. And then second, if you can work, then work a little bit, even if it's part time. And then third, if we need to take out some student loans, then we take out student loans. I'm a big believer that you don't take out more in student loans than what the average first year income is for your chosen career field. And so if you're Chosen career field is, and I'm I'm going to just shout out some bad numbers here for a minute. Um, <laughs> example, you know, numbers. but let's, yeah, some example numbers. Let's let's say your first, you know, that that you want to be a an attorney, right? Oh. And let's say as an attorney, your first year salary might be sixty grand or seventy grand. Let's say seventy grand is the average first year income for for an attorney then I wouldn't want more than 60 grand in debt between my undergrad work and my law school in order to get that done.
0: Okay. So and, does that happen often where it's the, somebody spends $120,000 in loans, but the first year's 30,000.
1: I think that happens all the time, huh. uh, which is the problem is huh. I think too often people are not making, you know, appropriate school cost choices, Versus
0: the career income choice. Mm. Okay. Uh, Brandon, do you remember when you used and or learned, uh, let's say used your first credit card?
2: You know, (laughs) you're going to make fun of me. It was probably, it was probably like three years ago we started actually what? using I know we and and that was probably dumb right i'll fully admit full disclosure right but we we were just you know i don't know we we just used the debit card right from from yeah. the bank and 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 that's that's all we did and then it was actually my wife was like hey we could actually get some rewards points you know and we'll just pay it off every month and so we started doing that and that's that's been great you know we we've loved doing that but yeah so that I do, okay. I do remember that. Actually.
0: When, when did you take out your first debt?
2: My first, so it was my home okay. But we, when we bought our first home. So you didn't take, you bought
0: um, cars with cash when you were young.
2: Yeah. Until just recently. And we had all of our cars blow up at the same time and I broke down and that was our first debt outside of. Outside of a house, and you know, it, it's been kind of an, an interesting emotional ride, right? Because as, as a financial advisor and and working with clients, right, I have no like when someone's like, "Oh yeah, I've got a loan on my car," right? Like that's just not a big like most of everybody does, you know. Um, but it has been kind of interesting going through that, right? Working through that, and 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 you know, I, I look back, right? Because I went I went to Utah State, and and I was like, probably added considerable stress to my life because I was so terrified of student loans, right? Like, just like, I was like, this is not going to happen. And it didn't, right? We graduated completely debt-free, um, which was a great accomplishment for us, right? It felt really good. Um, but I do I, I do look back on that and wonder, right? Like, what, what could have, you know, a $5,000 or $10,000 student loan done for us? Um, would that have been wiser? Did I build better I don't know, did I build, build better habits by not getting it? I, I don't know the answers to that. But but I, I think.
0: I spent my student loan money on a, uh, on a DSLR camera that I still use. <laughs>
2: Good investment. <laughs> but you Good still investment. use it
1: 10 years still, later.
0: So, Brandon, I don't know if you're the right person to ask this. Because it's like, you know, how do you teach kids about debt? But you didn't have any for a long time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if I was too afraid of it. Um, and and I don't know. I, I think having watched multiple, I mean, you know, hundreds of people scenarios with debt, um, that there's a healthy way to utilize debt, and there's a very unhealthy way, you know. Right. And 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 finding that balance is is key. I think circling back around to what Rex said is is ultimately, I think, it needs to be make sure it's done with prudence and 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 done within, you know, a, a fairly reasonable setting, right? That, that even now, right? Like when we, all of our cars, you know, yeah. <laughs> literally, I mean, we took them, to, it was like the worst case scenario ever, water heater, and we had everything and So I finally broke down. It's like, you know, what, like we could have liquidated emergency fund. But at that point, right, the choice was sell, sell investments. And I didn't want to do that, especially with the markets down. It was use up all of the emergency fund, right? Buy two cars and just kind of deplete out the emergency fund and have no liquidity. Or, you or go out and get car loans, right? And so we ended up getting two very reasonable um, car loans, about you know thirteen thousand dollars a piece, right? So nothing nothing crazy at three three percent and two point nine nine percent, right? So very reasonable rates, um, reasonable loans, um, and I think that's going to play out to be a really a really good thing for us. But but I think that might be you know my advice would would be to try and avoid it, you know, if possible, and and you know, but don't. Don't be crazy about it either, right? If if worse comes to worse and, and you need to leverage that, I, I think that makes sense.
0: All right. Rex, what's, what's healthy what was, debt management for
1: kids? Let me ask Brandon a question really quick and then I'll oh, come yeah. back to what is a healthy debt management strategy yeah. for kids. So so Brandon, what did your parents instill into you? How did they how did they generate the fear of debt? Or what was it that that caused that in you to where – You know, you didn't get any debt through your teens, through college, through your first couple years of marriage, any of that.
2: No, I have no idea. I, I, I. I, There one I do remember distinctly. I was probably like seven years old. We were walking to like a neighbor's, and my mom looked at me and said, "Brandon, when you turn eighteen, you're not moving back into this house." I said, "Okay." (laughs) And so, and so maybe it was that, like just knowing I was on my own. But I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't know. I wish. I wish I had a better answer for that. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Okay, so so for my kids, we we have a debt discussion also when they turn eighteen, right? I, my my 18 kids are going to grow your house up. Your a party. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, I, I'm frequently known as the fun sucker. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I've heard. I know. I know. So they're
0: stressed out the whole last week of their seventeen years. They're like, oh man. They're like, <laughs>
1: They're kind of like putting X's on the counter, uh, countdown kind of to, to discussion to dad. with dad. You know? <laughs> so, so we talk about debt and, and I'm kind of in a different camp. We, we do have our kids get a small credit card, you know, for, for a hundred bucks or 500 bucks and, and start building up a little bit of credit. We do have frequent discussions to make sure it gets paid off each month in mm-hmm. full and typically we just have them use it for two or three months and then not use it for a year and then use it for a month or two and then not use it for a year. Just because that that will typically tend to build up your credit or at least that's enough to typically.
0: So just to and, clarify, because I sometimes the, the whole credit building thing, but so you just have to use it and then you can pay it off and let it sit. And by not spending money on the credit card, it will build credit, correct?
1: Yeah, because it still shows that you're current on your, Mm -hmm. on your card and it shows zero balance and it shows that you've got X amount of credit available and, and things like that. So you do have to use it periodically, but you don't have to use it every month and it can stay paid off for, for months at a time. But, but when you first get it, you do need to carry, you know, typically we'll, we'll have them carry a small balance for a month or two, just so that it shows that the credit's being used and that there, there is a, you know, a balance being carried forward from one month to the next, and then we have it paid off completely. Okay. So, so we do have them do that. The other, the other thing that typically I'll do is, is most of the time they're wanting to buy, whether it be a car or a toy or something on, on a card, I'll just run through cause I'm a geek. Right. And so I run through the financial numbers with them and, and say, look, you know, you're spending a hundred dollars on this thing. And you know, if that's invested at seven percent and you know, for the next, you know, ten years, then then that's really costing you two hundred dollars. Is this really worth two hundred dollars? And 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 typically they come to the conclusion that no, it's really not worth two hundred dollars to add. And so always I'll just save up point. for it. And yeah. Uh, and at and at so what that's point, what they say about.
0: So most importantly, Rex, at, at what age do your kids finally make their own financial purchases without worrying about <laughs> Dad scrutinizing I'm, everything they do. I'm
1: planning on about 62. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Okay. So they they certainly can make <clears throat> any financial decisions on their own that they want. Um, however, <laughs> the the other discussion yeah. I have with them is is you always get to make the choices. You never get to control the consequences. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, if if you end up in debt trouble, dad's not bailing you out and, real? and it's something you, for real. And, and so you're going to have to dig yourself out and, and I'll help you figure it out. I'll talk you through it and work strategy with you and everything else. But, you know, you, you get to make choices in life. You don't get to choose your consequences. And that, that goes with money that goes with, you know, choosing your, your partners in life that goes with, you know, making poor decisions when you're out with your friends at night, you know, any of those things. And, and that's, that's the way life works. And and it's an important lesson to learn at young ages.
0: Yeah. Well, some of us don't learn that very fast. Uh, (laughs) What would you ever recommend a loan uh, to kids from a parent with interest uh, rather than going to like a financial institution for something?
1: In certain situations, um, I think it's okay, I, as long as it's smaller and and not going to put the parents' financials at any kind of risk. I, I still like the idea of building up the kids' credits and things like that. But sometimes, you know, one, one of my kids <clears> – <throat> and so it makes me think of uh, – sorry, I'm going to go on tangent here. Have you seen the basketball show um, – oh, I can't remember which one it is where, – where the coach is working with him and he talks about all of his sister's. And on the defensive play and the offensive play and, and anyhow, he had all these.
0: No, I have not, but.
1: Okay. 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 Anyway. So, so one of my kids want is, is very entrepreneurial at at heart and wanted to start up a kind of a printing business on, on clothes and things like that. Right. So he, he wanted to buy a screen printer that, uh, you know, or cricket or something like that, that he can put things on clothes and then, and then sell them with funny sayings or whatever to his friends. And and he didn't have enough credit on a credit card to be able to buy that machine to, to start his, you know, little business kind of thing. And so he and I had a talk. He came to me and he said, hey, I really want to do this. And I said, well, you know, just like, you know, all all good lending institutions, how am I going to get my money back? Right. Because if I give this to you, I want it back. Yeah. And and this isn't a gift. No, but right? he's raising and,
0: capital. This is good. This is bright.
1: He's raising capital, right? And so we have that talk, and and so I make him go back and and work on a spreadsheet or handwrite and say, well, if I sell you know ten shirts, you know it's going to cost me five dollars per shirt, and it's going to cost me so much for vinyl, and and this is the profit, and if I give you part of the profit, then I've got part of this left to 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 buy more shirts with, and this is how you're going to get paid back, and based you know if I can sell so many shirts a month, then you should get paid back in eight months, kind of thing. And, and so we kind of go through that process and I say, that's great. And, you know, I'll do that, but I'm going to charge you, you know, 25% interest just so that you learn the interest lesson really, really hard. I don't really say 25%. But.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rex is making money on this deal. That's why yeah, I have yeah, so yeah. many kids. Yeah. So it's just a money game for him. <laughs> you know how
0: much money I've spent on you kids? All right. Time for dad to get some back.
1: Yeah. So so normally I do charge them interest and I and I show that to them each month, right? That mm-hmm. you you paid me fifty bucks, forty-five bucks is going to principal, five bucks for interest, and and this is your new balance, right? And we and every time they just, you know, transfer the money to me. And I just go through that with them really quick, either on a text or or pull them into to my home office and we just pull up the spreadsheet and show them where we're at and, yeah. and go through it. So so I think that's an important part of life is, is teaching kids that. So if it's within reason, I'm okay with that. Um, and a fan of that actually, I think if it's a large amount, like I, I won't co-sign on cars for my kids. I won't co-sign on a house or real estate for my kids. I, you know, and, and I, and I'm not judging anybody that does that. That's just my own personal feeling and belief. You know, I, I also don't pay for college for my kids, you know, and so I'll let them live at home. I'll provide room and board, and, and things like that at my house for them, if they, if they, while they're going to school, but they need to figure out how to pay for school on their own. And so, you know, it's, there's, there's another funny saying out there that, you know, and and I'm, I'm not rich, but you know, it's, my money is not their money, right? My money is my money. I was going to
0: say that's why you still have money.
1: Right. And so, (laughs) yeah. So anyhow, I think those are all important lessons to teach, To teach your kids as they're getting into their teens and and late teens is is how to manage money how to how to do a budget how to you know pay off debt you know if you're gonna take it make sure you understand that and how that crunches your cash flow um so that you can't do as many things if you're if you're burdened down with a bunch of debt
2: I, Hmm. i like to always ask people that if you who spends more on toys entertainment and fun stuff the guy who constantly has ten thousand dollars of credit card debt, or the guy who constantly keeps ten thousand dollars sitting in the bank, who oh. spends more on fun? Yeah, I don't know. The guy with the money in the bank, absolutely. The guy with money in the bank because he's not paying any interest.
0: Oh, got you. I thought and, the guy with the credit card because he's always spending it.
2: Well, right, and that's what everyone thinks, right? But yeah. really, when you come down to, it, I've I've done plans for people who have been spending twelve hundred dollars a month in credit card. Oh. Ease and and interest, just straight interest, yeah. just financing yesterday's dreams with today's dollars. Isn't that, yeah. is that, is that the inverse of yeah. our slogan? I think that's the inverse. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, but but
2: you know what I mean? Like like literally spending, you know, twelve thousand more than twelve thousand dollars a year on just interest versus someone who doesn't take out the debt. Right? Sure, there's that that first initial you know spend down that you get to spend the extra you know, 10, 20 grand, and that's exciting. But then as you take that through life, I mean, the person who just leaves money in the bank versus carries a credit card balance, the person who leaves money in the bank gets to spend so much more money on fun, entertainment, and toys.
0: Okay. Do you want to know what I do? This is what this is what I do. So yeah, I'm, dying know. <laughs> I'm sure you are. So if there's a purchase that you know I can pay for, I got the money, but I get zero percent interest on it, like a lawnmower, or, or, or a grill yeah. or something, I'll put it on a 0% interest on a card and make the payments on it just so I don't have to take that much money out to, to buy it and, and spend it all at once.
2: Are you taking that money and the extra money and in investing it over that time?
0: I should. No.
2: Because <laughs> yeah. that's essentially, you're, you're you're not gaining any money, essentially, right? If, if we're not investing and in growing the other money... All we're doing is deferring the payment.
0: Right. I'm keeping well, more money in the bank. In, in my mind, in case something happens, I've got I've got the cash on the side.
2: Yeah, yeah. but I, I think that's where we would argue a, a, an emergency fund. Just having an emergency fund is necessary, right? We always need to keep an emergency fund. And, you know, if you want to keep, like, I get the argument. And, and it's, a, it's a decent one, you know, but I, I don't know that we're necessarily I do that moving. Even, to I either. do that
0: even with a, an emergency fund.
1: Yeah, so so that money shouldn't come out of your emergency fund, right? No, and I would, no it
0: doesn't. Yeah, I no, would argue the
1: opportunity one. cost, right? That of if you pay it off all at once, right? And let's say it's let's say it's two grand or or you know something. A nice versus board. investing. <laughs> nice yeah, that is a nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm seen his yard. So, <laughs> so so let's say it's two grand. Yeah, you know, the opportunity cost of having that invested you know, on on a 12 month 0% interest plan might be if you're invested 70, you know, 140 bucks at 7%, right? Yeah. And so is it, is it, and that's if it was invested. Now if it's in cash or in a money market or something like that, and you're earning 1%, your opportunity cost is 20 bucks. And so is it really worth 20 bucks to have to remember to make that payment every month for the next 12 months? Is that worth 20 bucks to you? And for some people it is. For other people, it's like, yeah, I'd rather just, you know, just pay gotcha. it off and, yeah, and not yeah. have that payment because something else may come along in life. Yeah. So I, I, I've seen that done both ways and and looked at it from a financial perspective. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't know that there's a perfect answer on the way to do that, either as adults or as kids. I do know that there's a lot of wrong answers. Um, you know, lots of times we'll say there's no right answer. And and this time I'd say there's a few right answers or or no perfect answer, but a few right answers. But there's certainly a lot of wrong ways to do that with kids.
0: Yeah. Okay, Brandon, you have some more numbers?
2: Do. Yeah. So this is according to the twenty twenty two trustee report for Social Security. Um, The Social Security Trust Fund paid out fifty nine point one billion dollars more than it received in 2021. Believe it or not, that's only the second time that's happened in the last 25 years that the cost exceeded the income. But as we're going, as you know, our current trajectory, that's going to become more and more the norm, right? As yeah. as, as baby boomers go from paying into the system to now all of them pulling money out of the system, you know, that that's where that's where people start to get concerned about Social Security. And I should probably preface this with, and we have this conversation all the time, um, trust funds set to run out, and it you know depends, but the most common number I see is trust fund for Social Security should be out of money by the year 2031, meaning that all of that extra savings, right, their emergency fund, if you will, will be completely depleted down to zero by 2031. At that point, the money scheduled to come in should cover approximately three quarters of the benefit they've promised to pay out. So, I mean, I know we've talked about this in past episodes, but essentially if you're planning on social security and and looking at that down the the way, a lot of times we feel very comfortable if if the assumption is, hey, we'll plan on three quarters of the social security benefit or 80%. Um, With that said though, and, and, and again, we've talked about this before, most people think that politicians will likely You know, no political party wants to put their name on on taking Social Security away. So we'll probably see changes that will get that benefit higher, but maybe make it harder to get delayed. You know, increases might be a little bit less. But anyway, I thought that was kind of an interesting stat. Second time in the last 25 years that we uh, went negative.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's not a big trend coming up. (laughs) Sure. So Rex, your oldest are, are girls and um, eventually they date and sometimes exactly. they even get married, you know? Uh, yeah. So how, how do, you know, what have you told your kids as far as you, you've set up a certain way that they should manage their money, but then when they start dating somebody who maybe grew, grew up a different way, how do they, you know, can that ruin a, a relationship and, and, and or how do you. People come to an. I'm fascinated, by the way, with how couples uh, arrange their money. Uh, it's it, it's so interesting, and that could be a whole podcast. Yeah, it could be side. a podcast. Of yeah, its, own. it's just it's yeah. just really interesting. But so, how do you, yeah, how do you explain or or what's your best advice for when people start dating in their 20s and they're looking to get serious and combine funds at some point, probably marriage, and start you know moving, taking that next direction.
1: So I'm I'm a big fan that as as my kids start to get serious with, with this other person that, that they give me some one-on-one time with that other person in my (laughs) office. In in your office. In my home office. office. In my home office.
0: Remind me never where to go is Rex's (laughs) home office.
1: (laughs) So no, I, I, so that's, that's a good question. So I'm dealing with that all the time. I have one daughter that's married, one that, um, is in a fairly serious relationship. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I, mean, frequently they'll bring, you know, the, the boy or the, you know, over to the house or the girl over to the house or whatever, and for dinners or for meals or, or we'll go out to eat or, or something like that. And, and so, you know, lots of times it's easy for me to kind of bring up some of those discussions that they can talk about later amongst themselves about you know are you a saver or spender and and for me it's really easy because i can i can kind of push it off about work right and i can sit there and say oh my gosh you can't believe this situation i went through today you know we've got a husband that does x a a spouse that does y and they just don't communicate about their money and it's so important and so it's really easy for me to kind of spin that off on work which i know everybody doesn't doesn't get to have but I I think it's important to understand if, if they're savers or spenders and, and before marriage, you know, to have those discussions. And so when, when my son-in-law came and asked me to marry my daughter, you know, I had that discussion of, you know, who's the spender in the family and who's the saver in the family, because there's almost always one of each in the family. One that's a little more of a spender, a little more of a saver. Rarely do you get two strong savers on a, on occasions you'll get two strong spenders and that's real trouble. Um, (laughs) You know, and, and so, you know, we'll, we'll have that discussion a little bit about have you talked about that? And, and we'll, we'll kind of have the discussion. Have you talked about money saving and spending? Have you talked about how you're going to raise your kids? Have you talked about religion? Because those are the three common divorce factors, right? Is, as is, is those and i don't get into the personal intimate stuff because that's between them and so i just you know i just kind of stay away from that but but the other three Good we talk about and yeah. thank you thank you yeah.
0: okay so what's your advice on how you know couples in their 20s and they're serious and they start to join accounts or not uh how what's the best way to yeah do so
1: my my other daughter came to me just here recently the one that's in a serious relationship and she's like dad we really want to be saving solo you know, when we do get married, whenever that day comes that we can buy a house. And we really, you know, I'm making good money and I'm a saver. My daughter really is a good saver and and he's making, you know, fairly good money, but I'm not sure he's, he's really that good of a saver. And so I don't want to be the only saver in the family and, and be reliant upon me saving all the money for the house. So can we open up a joint account and both save into a joint account towards this goal <laughs> as, as, and, and, you know, and I said, well, it's not for me to tell you whether you can or not. You're an adult. Right. However, since you asked. Right. The answer is no. Just look at uh, some
0: advice. <laughs> <fairly bad> advice.
1: <laughs> right. Is is no, we don't we don't share accounts before we're married is my so advice. Why? Anyway. Why? Because too too frequently it causes issues that if that relationship doesn't work out and then how do you split it? Right then, then yeah. does he take half? Do you take half? Do you take three quarters? He takes three quarters. Yeah, it's just messy um, okay. because there's no other tie to the commitment there, and and so I I wouldn't do it until you're until you're committed in in a marriage relationship. It's my personal opinion. Not others will have other opinions, and that's okay. No, we right? want this your, is just yeah,
0: we want yours today. So once you're yeah. married, do you recommend people do have joint accounts?
1: So I think that they should be joint accounts and and that their spouses should be on their accounts. Now, I think you need to know yourselves well enough to know whether you should be operating out of a combined joint account as your main operating account or whether you operate out of two separate accounts, even though both your names are on both and one spouse is going to cover certain things in life and the other spouse is going to cover other things in life you know, and, and have that discussion on how you're going to do it. I've seen it work both ways and I've seen it not work both ways. And, and the key is communication is talking it out because if you're not talking about it, then invariably, either way, you're going to have hard feelings.
0: Well, I think the best advice I saw on, on money and relationships, believe it or not, was from Steve Harvey. uh, Who, who said, you know, well I'm gonna get this wrong but it's a short clip and it's all over social media But he it, and he says it on like a talk show with all these ladies um, as the as the hosts or something and he said you know you should have one account and that account pays all the bills you should have another account that goes into your uh, retirement and then she has an account to spend and he has an account to spend and they can do whatever they want out of those two accounts I thought yeah. fair enough you know fair enough
1: That's clean. Right. Yeah. yeah. The the problem becomes what bills are included in the main account.
0: All the living expenses. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then if you, if you each have your own separate account and all of a sudden one is a spender and starts racking up credit card debt that starts taking all of that extra spending money, that's the fund money. Then you've got one, one that's extremely stressed, embarrassed, you know, it's, that's debt ridden that eventually is going to start taking from the other person's account because they don't have any money. And, and that's going to create some animosity. And so again, it's going to come down to communication and, and making sure that however you choose, it's going to work for the two of you. Does that make sense?
0: Yep. Brandon, you have advice so, on this?
2: Man, I, I don't know. I, I've seen it all, <laughs> all over the place. with, yeah. with and, and, and I think, you know, knowing yourself and knowing your spouse and knowing your relationship is like the number one thing. And, and I have seen, I mean, it's fun as a financial advisor to kind of see that deeper dive into people's personal finances. And 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 often, right, there's some couples that they have a strong relationship, they've got a great, you know, great thing going, but they know that they can't share an account, right? And they, and they keep it, completely separate and 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 that works for them and it works great and 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 prior to that right they had a joint account and it didn't work right and that's why they they separated it and 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 it worked well personally we have a joint account like literally everything's just kind of lumped into that and and that works really well for for us um, but but i think there's a lot of it takes a lot of communication right a lot of communication on on my part and on my wife's part right so that both that we were both on board you know, anytime we, we want to spend bigger purchases, we talk to each other about it, you know, and, and it's kind of been fun. I mean, college, right? A big purchase was like $5 <laughs> and now now the bigger purchases, the dollar amount has gone up. But, but I think that communication and understanding yourself is, is the most important part. And, and just realizing that, I mean, there are struggles, right? And people, people, there are people that struggle to make good financial decisions And that doesn't mean they're bad people. That doesn't mean they can't be great spouses. That just means that you've got to set into place some some parameters to help the relationship succeed. And so that there's not those constant grind of frustration. And I would say that would probably be my one piece of advice is wherever you are, whether you've been married for two months or or 40 years, I, I think it's important that you find yourself in a place that you're not constantly frustrated with the other spouse. And if you are, it would probably be wise to, to just revisit that and, and have that open dialogue with the spouse and say, this is, this is, these are my concerns. How do we make sure that we can exist? Right. So that you can go out and spend, you know, your, your portion of your money guilt-free and I can, you know, still feel secure and, and, and that that works together.
0: Sounds good. Rex, we covered just about everything here. Um, on.
2: I've got
1: one, little one little story on that same topic. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, you know, probably, okay, vulnerable moment, right, as far as that goes, so, so I was, I was young in my career, I just started in, in financial advising, and, and at the time, I, you know, my wife and I, we were just sharing one account, right, and, and for the most part, I mean, she, she kind of had a little spending account, and I had a little spending account, but for the most part, we just shared one account and and i again very early in my career i was taking a client or a, you know a, a hopefully new client out to lunch we'd gone to lunch and i went to pay for it with my card and my card wouldn't go through <laughs> <laughs> and that i was am young inside. yeah right and i am young and i'm like oh i'm sure there's money on it. try it again right Oh, try it one more time, right? <laughs> and so embarrassed, and I'm That's like, "Always the
0: solution. Just keep trying it until it goes I'm through." Like, well,
1: you you get this one, and I'll get I'll I'll get the really expensive one next time. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I had to make him pay for for my lunch. Yeah. Right. Uh, unfortunately, never became a client. Uh, Needless yeah. to say. And yeah. so I go home and talk to my wife, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I forgot I bought some things on that card, and I forgot to move the money over." To pay it off. And I'm like, well, do we have the money? Yeah, we've got the money. I just forgot. And I'm like, I'm not upset that you bought the stuff. I'm just upset that you forgot (laughs) because, you know, and, and so from that time on, we've kind of had separate um, spending accounts for that reason.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, you know, I think she's never regained
0: your trust is what I just heard. She has all of my trust in the
1: world. Just not access to my separate account. <laughs> uh, uh, okay.
0: All of it but that. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's bounce out of here. But I I was curious, maybe if you got a short answer, Rex, what um, because we haven't we talked about pretty much everything except for how deep do you go and when do you go into like stock purchasing and mutual fund management and like the, the really inner workings of managing money with uh, late teens and, and early twenties with people who are, when they first start making money, do you? you know? Them- mo- I'll
2: take that one. Most yeah. kids should start listening to our podcast at, like, mm. at five, at five. And, and then just have them keep re listening. And by the time they're, yeah. you know, on their own 18, they won't even need those discussions.
0: That's good advice. I have a seven year old. I'll get them on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Rick, sorry. No, I like it. I like it. So so most of my kids um will buy stock with them at the age of 16. And typically it's an individual stock. Uh they have to go and do chores and earn money for it. And then I let them pick the stock that they want to buy. Um, we buy it in my account and and then we we just look at it periodically throughout the year, kind of thing. Talk about the ups and downs. Sometimes you know as as they continue to kind of earn money then sometimes they want to buy something else and so typically on their second purchase we'll do you know a mutual fund or an index fund or something like that so that we can have those discussions about how mutual funds and index funds work and then all of my kids by the time they're 18 have their own investment accounts uh, we typically set those up as either joint accounts or payable on death account so that if something happens to them that that you know from an estate planning standpoint that things are taken care of but but typically that's that's about where I'm starting um, for the most part. I think a, a lot of times we'll start you know I have clients start younger but it just it just kind of depends on the kid and yeah. and where their interest is and things like that. I think one of the things that we did with your kids that was powerful was was having them actually go to the bank with you yeah. and and making a deposit into their own account and things like that. Yeah, and, uh, and I awesome. think that's excellent experiences for them.
0: Have you heard any apps that are that parents are using to help manage stuff with their kids, money with their kids before they're 16 or 18?
1: Um, I don't know about managing money necessarily. I mean, obviously you've heard of, you know, different apps out there like acorn and, and yeah. you've heard, you know, obviously there's, there's, you know, Robin hood apps and different things like that that are, That are out there for on the investment side um but as far as as far as managing money you know there's mint and there's other things like that but but those those are a little hard for for younger you know for teenage kids to to really get into too much most of the time we're just using the bank app right? right and 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 trying to teach them how to categorize their spending because most banks and credit unions now pull up a little pie chart this is how you spent your money the last 30 days and And just making sure that they're using the tools that are available to them on those sites is at at this point in time probably sufficient for most
0: okay sounds good we covered a lot of territory there um i will be entering more into the teaching the kids stuff here shortly because rex i think we got the the oldest one taken care of there uh between myself and and yourself uh where we have at least a plan that I know of. Making some progress. Making some progress. Yeah. And then I got a few years before the next one's got to to get to that point. So uh, Brandon, Rex, planwithbaxter.com. If you have questions, you have kids, uh, you are in your 20s and you just want to get started investing or just want to review what your options are, go to planwithbaxter.com and they will help you find a way. So that is it for this Uh, episode of through the pines join us next time on through the pines reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams